both issues that I've mentioned, both uh, dysmenorrhea, which is menstrual pain, and dyspareunia, painful intercourse, uh, affect hundreds of millions of women and are bo both real unmet needs. There are no dedicated treatments that the, I would say, Western uh, uh, industry uh, has, has uh, provided them. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Today we're talking about female tech. Meet Yotam Hod, the CEO and co-founder of Gynica, a medical company at the forefront of therapeutic cannabis research and development in the field of women's health. Previously, Yotam was the CEO and co-founder of Lumiere Lab, a global leading cannabis research and development laboratory aimed to provide evidence-based cannabis solutions. Both companies are subsidiaries of Asana Biogroup, a holding company specializing in scientific advancements in the field of cannabis, which Yotam serves as its CEO. Yotam Hod, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. I have a feeling this episode is going to have some really, really interesting conversations. How are you today? I'm very well, Michael. How about yourself today? I'm doing well, and I'm a little confused, I have to say, Yotam. I have to understand. How does one get to work on cannabis products for women's health? Where, where, I mean, I, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, I think it's an amazing opportunity and there's probably a lot of innovation to be doing there and it's a remarkable thing to work on. But it's, it's still a little confusing uh, for, to be, for me to be speaking to a young male entrepreneur working on this startup. I completely understand where you're coming from and what's behind uh these questions i live it for the past uh f almost five years uh, and i have to follow these questions and um there there's some very good basis to it uh, the fact is that i'm uh, in a way i'm a black sheep in a doctor's family uh probably not the first but uh <laughs> as such uh i always found the intersection of uh business and medicine, um, very appealing. And um, since a very young age, uh, growing up with, I would say, medical terminology uh, around me uh, and understanding the needs, the gaps, uh, some of the different aspects that involve, um, you know, the next uh, generation of uh, medical uh, practice, uh, I found myself very uh, attracted by the, the business side of, of medicine. And uh, that led me to my first job uh, after my military service, uh, working for a medical conference organizer, starting off as, a, as an assistant producer and uh, climbing up uh, all the way to uh, lead for a certain period uh, the sales department, raising millions of dollars for medical conferences from pharmaceutical companies. Um, but around 2016, um, beginning of 2016, I found myself uh, reading more and more and actually being pulled by mentally 
by an emerging field called the medical cannabis space and realized that uh, here in Israel, there's uh, apparently, and I, I didn't know that uh, before, but apparently Israel is the uh, global leader in cannabis research. Uh, moreover, the most uh, notoriously oh, known active... We were elite, right? You realized there were some initiatives. Indeed. So, so uh, what's behind it? The fact is that THC actually was discovered in Israel uh, in the early 60s by Professor Rafael Meshula. Really? Uh, indeed. And there's a, there, you know, there's a funny anecdote about that. I've had already uh, quite a few lectures uh, that I've heard from uh, Professor Meshulam. He's still working, by the way, arriving to the university, the Hebrew University every day. He's 92 years old and he is considered to be the founding father of cannabis research. And uh, the story is that cannabis is actually uh, uh, an illegal uh, substance. Moreover, according to the UN 61 convention, uh, cannabis uh, simply is a uh, dangerous drug. Uh, and, you know, Israel, and we won't be surprised, but uh, Professor Rafael Meshulam from the Hebrew University heard about this, you know, notoriously known uh, substance called hashish back in the 60s here in Israel. And uh, he heard about uh, different, uh, I would say, uh, appealing uh, effects that are caused by it. And as a chemist, he approached one of his friends at the police station uh, who ran one of the police uh, stations in the center of Israel. And he asked if he could uh, borrow some of the confiscated hash by the police in order to study what's inside of it. Because again, purely from a scientific oh point God. of view, he was very interested about what's behind it. And funny enough, he found himself coming back from the police station with five kilograms of hash to the university. And this is how THC was discovered globally, not here in Israel. Uh, this is uh, considered to be the uh, discovery of the first uh, active ingredient in cannabis called THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the notoriously known substance uh which is psychoactive more moreover actually psychotropic there's a slight difference between uh, psychoactive and psychotropic we won't uh, get into it but uh, this was actually a groundbreaking discovery because as i mentioned it's illegal but only in israel i guess you can call your friend uh, in the police station and ask for such a favor uh, and no one else globally had any access to such substances. And uh, this was actually a door opener that allowed uh, for 50 years of research in academy here in Israel, which is unheard of because cannabis is yet well known by the UN as an illegal substance. So there are quite, uh, I would say, difficult and challenging regulatory hurdles that uh, still are uh, a challenge for the medical cannabis space and the cannabis industry as a whole. Um, but this early 60s discovery actually opened the door for us in Israel to become a global leader and to gain experience of 50 years of real research comparing to other countries where it was simply illegal. 
um, followed by uh, the discovery here back in 1992 of uh, the endocannabinoid system which was the second major discovery here in Israel. It was discovered by Professor Lumir Hanush, who actually sits on our advisory board. Um, and he served as the right hand of Professor Meshulam uh, for many years in the Hebrew University. And they are considered to be the forefront of cannabis research globally. And um, this is just a tiny brief about why Israel is considered a global leader in cannabis research. And it's not just um, it's not just a cliche. It really is the case because the fact that uh, dozens of researchers have worked throughout their years in academy in such departments. Actually, um, throughout the years, it was only the Hebrew University. Later on, the the Technion joined and other universities as well. But uh, this fact, comparing to any other country for many years, that it was simply illegal, brought uh, Israeli researchers to really lead the way in everything to do with uh, cannabis science. Unbelievable. So I can obviously, through your deep understanding and excitement to, to this field, I can, I can understand the, the, canna, the cannabis side of the venture, but, but I'm still a little puzzled by the, by the gynecological side of the venture. Absolutely. So there's definitely a strong uh, basis to it as well. But uh, I'll start off with, with wh where I began. And the fact is that uh, I started my journey in the cannabis space after taking a course at the Technion uh, in 2016. It was actually the second uh, entrepreneurship in cannabis course. It was a first of its kind, uh, I would say, academic uh, course that allowed to get a taste of pretty much every vertical and angle of the cannabis space. Just, you know, as an anecdote, today is around the 25th class of this course or so. Um, but this course actually opened my eyes to the realization that, uh, first of all, Israel has such a unique uh, value proposition for the world for this emerging uh, cannabis industry uh, evol evolving. But uh, moreover, I realized that the biggest gap that there is currently globally is the fact that we simply don't know enough about cannabis. And moreover, in order to know enough, we need to research it. But because of the regulatory hurdles that quite limit the ability to research, it's, it's very narrow. And especially six years ago, it didn't change much until today. But uh, this realization that research and development wow. is key for acceptance of both regulators, the medical community, the scientific community, the patients, most of all, uh, the only way to bring comfort, credibility, safety is by bringing research and development and proper, I would say, scientific manners to uh such a such an emer emerging field and with this in mind i truly fell in love with with the space and with this field but uh, you know it was a nice thing to say that this is what i want to do with the rest of my life but i needed to to find something that's more solid and um you know funny enough uh, back then because there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation with everything to do with cannabis um, 
I found myself, although I'm not a scientist, I have a BA in business administration. Uh, I always had a business orientation, but uh, I find myself I found myself uh, reading scientific papers about cannabis because this was the only <laughs> I would say credible source for uh, for for knowledge about cannabis. And one day, uh, a certain paper caught my eye uh, after reading that the female reproductive system is actually the organ with most endocannabinoids in our body after the brain. The female reproductive system is the organ with most endocannabinoids in our, in our bodies after the brain. That means that when we speak about endocannabinoids, those are receptors that actually bind to the active ingredients in cannabis called cannabinoids. And actually, when we consume, uh, we look at it as a, as a key and a hole to the key, meaning once we already have those receptors, but once we use cannabis, we're able to trigger them and activate those receptors. And those receptors are the one responsible for the therapeutic effect that's spoken about with cannabis. And surprisingly, we realized that the female reproductive system is the organ with most of those endocannabinoids after our brain. And this added up to the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, uh, no, come from a, a doctor's family as a black sheep in a way. Uh, and my father is a gynecologist. And, you know, things that are quite, uh, I would say, taboo uh, in our world were not a taboo for us, uh, you know, on Shabbat dinner or just on a, on a daily basis, speaking about menstruation, about sex, about bleeding, about pregnancy. Uh, about such issues was not, uh, I would say, was not something uh, that was hidden under the, the, the rug for us. And I think that this is one of the things that allowed me to realize that the field of women's health is quite unaddressed. And uh, yes. I've in the past few years, I've learned it more and more, actually. And I, I unfortunately, I realize uh, how much, I'm, I'm sorry to say, that they have been neglected uh by the medical community by the scientific community by the industry um with the most basic issues and ailments that women are suffering from uh that still are unmet needs real unmet needs i mean when we speak about uh painful uh, menstruation um we speak about 800 million uh, women worldwide every day uh who, who are going through their uh, periods uh, and uh, generally speaking, uh, some of them are have to, uh, you know, be in bed for a day or two every month. Uh, or when we speak about uh, dyspareunia, which is painful intercourse, uh, around 40% of women suffer from painful intercourse throughout their life cycle. And uh, wow. both both issues that I've mentioned, both uh, dysmenorrhea, which is menstrual pain, and dyspareunia, painful intercourse, uh, affect hundreds of millions of women and are bo both real unmet needs. There are no dedicated treatments that the, I would say, Western uh, uh, industry uh, has, has uh, provided them. Uh, so even when you speak about menstrual pain, currently what, what women are using is Tylenol, is other under, uh, pain relievers, but there's nothing targeted, dedicated, uh, locally, um, and this is very sad, you know, 
let's be honest there's uh, Viagra in the market uh, but there are, there's no solution for the ailment and the uh, uh, pain of hundreds of millions of women uh, who suffer daily from different uh, issues and uh, in the past I would say year or two we see the great I would say rise in interest in what's called femtech female technologies uh, this field is booming we started five years ago um, but just in the past year or two, you suddenly see the, you know, the, the significant raises, uh, the unicorns that are, that are uh, uh, setting up shop as well. Uh, and suddenly the industry realized that, that realizes that uh, leave aside the comfort that, that those women deserve, that there is a huge opportunity here as well. Uh, I, Yotam, I have to, to address this because I, you know, this is why I do this, this show, uh, getting exposed to something that I know very little about. And I think that, you know, I, I enjoy researching and I enjoy getting to new companies. And, and it troubles me that I know so little about female tech. And, and I personally am, am inspired by, by the work that you're doing and your openness about it and, and the, inten the intentionality with which you come and, and you understand saying, this may be taboo for the world, but you know this is a part of our of our of our regular conversations. It's an important thing to be able to talk about, especially it's something we must talk about given the the under the how underserved this market is. And uh, and, and so I'm personally inspired by the, by the fact that you're dedicating your career right now to to be addressing this, and I'm excited by the the idea that there is now a rise and and boom in this. And and I think that you know what 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 I'm curious about is. From your perspective, how how is the reception from those around you, from the people around you, from the on the in the business world, are people aligning to this understanding that there is a a huge huge market for this that is underserved, while it's also going to be making a really really positive impact? I can tell you that it's changing, but uh, we still have a long way to go, and I have to tackle two points here because I'm dealing in two, I would say, uh, notorious uh, subjects. One is cannabis, and the other one mm -hmm. is women's health. Both subjects, we see a lot of synergy between those two because both subjects have been neglected um, by the by. Uh, the public, by the industry, by the regulators for many, many years. Um, they are both in their quite early stages and they are both quite uh, taboos each in their respective field. Cannabis because everything we know about it and women's health because it's not so, uh, I would say, um, freely discussed. You know, as I mentioned, sex, menstruation, bleeding. Well, until uh, two or three years ago, we were we would see commercials for uh, menstrual products that mimic uh, blood with a blue color. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the fact is that that it's starting to change. We are s beginning to see the uh, the subject out there on the table discussed. And uh, there's there's no other way. I think that uh, you know uh, post Me Too era did its thing as well. Uh, and I think that just as we see uh, the women empowerment movement in different uh, arenas, uh, so when we speak about their health, this should be as a top priority. But um, you know, you so were if you're looking about today at entrepreneurs sorry. around the world that are 
you know, considering where they, what, what type of venture they want to be doing and where they're going to be addressing, what, what are some tips that you can provide them so that they can either not be, not be taken aback by the tabooness of the subject or even simply just expose themselves to the subject because obviously there's less materials about this and there's less hype around this right now. And therefore, you know, with the butterfly effect, then there's less, as a, as a cause, there's less people that are going to start companies in this field. It's true, but we definitely see the change. Uh, I can tell you that uh, just uh, two years ago, 2019, there were around uh, 200 uh, femtech companies globally. Uh, I think that uh, now this number uh, is around the amount of companies in Israel uh, dealing with femtech. Uh, but, uh, I would say in addition to that, that, you know, it took me a very long time to be able to, uh, convince and be able to present again as a, as a young male, who's not a doctor. And honestly, this is the case about how, how am I the one speaking about women's health and trying to uh, provide solutions to a problem of hundreds of millions of women worldwide. But the point is that I think that because we've, I'd say, uh, took off the table, the taboos, and are able to speak about it freely without, uh, without a slight uh, laugh or you know, a, a wink, uh, allows us to do it the right way, truly. And we have here discussions, I can tell you that both with our team, both with potential, uh, you know, our partners and people who we are, we are discussing with, uh, many times, uh, it's, it's the first time that some of the, our, let's say the ones on the other side of the table are speaking about such subjects in an open manner and without any emotions behind it on one hand and without any excitement or uh, I would say, uh, uh, shyness around it. And this is the way to do it. I think that in the end, we need to neglect and avoid all the different, um, I would say, uh, stigmas and, uh, you know, emotional aspects of speaking about sexual matters and menstruation and such. And once we're able to do that and speak in a direct professional manner, then this is the only way I think to really bring it to the front and to, uh, you know, uh, avoid the the past uh, stigmas and uh, taboos surrounding such subjects. Yotam, thank you very, very much for this um, fascinating conversation. I learned so much and, uh, and I, have, uh, I have my work cut out for me for after this to do my own research. <laughs> And, uh, but, but for now, thank you very much for everything. I really appreciate your time, your energy, and, and the amazing work that you're doing here um, that is going to make a, a very, very positive impact, not just for females, but for knowledge and understanding around the world. Uh, so, Yotam, thank you, and stay safe and stay healthy. 